<laughs> oh, there's even variants here? Like this clampy guy? Yeah, there's the close Echo, combat. Stop it. Two the close combat, two the shield. It's the Flash Gordon Raper robots. <laughs> so do you need to put that drill on his dick? <laughs> you really need to put that <laughs> well, on his dick. He's got two of each. He can convert the, dr the dick drill. One. You never say two or one, Michael. God damn it. Hi, welcome to another episode of Hobby Night in Canada. I'm your host, Tom, and with me as always are... Dan. I'm Batman. <laughs> He's actually not sick this way. Uh, Mike. And Steve. Yeah, apparently you sounded... What was the description from Dale? It was a competitive, competitive smoking third grade no, teacher? No, competitive chain smoking third grade teacher. <laughs> okay. Competitive. Well, I really want to know, is there such a thing? Can someone out there enlighten us? Is there a competition in this world for chain smoking? I imagine there is. I'd like to know more. Well, there's kind of a competition for everything. Would you? Yeah. Would you like to know more? I would like to know more. <laughs> wow. I, I feel like it's off topic already. No, I'm just. I'm just. I, I had a point that I was gonna say, and then and then the goatsy came out. Yeah, already. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, I guess that's telling me that we need to find a guts your goatsy today. Uh, oh yeah, maybe. so we'll we'll get to that later. But let's start things off. Um, Steve, what have you done this weekend, hobby? <laughs> this is kind of funny, actually. Uh, I painted Imperial Fists. And you uh, now have what? I now have two done. And how many does Ward have done? Zero. Ward? Ward has some helmets. Ward, Ward has some helmets. And admittedly, his helmets, helmets. his helmets may be better than mine. Because there was a lot of effort put into those helmets. Yeah, but there's no torsos, arms, yeah. legs, bolters, bases, No, no, some backpacks. bases were done. I'm sure there's some bases Yeah, no, there were test bases. Probably cleaned. No, you did test bases. <laughs> you remember? did some test bases. You made us pick between the test bases. Because oh, there was the with the tiles. The yeah, with the tiles. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got some helmets and some bases. bases. <laughs> Good thing that you know how much you painted. Mm. Um, no, so anyways, I've been working on this as the sky hammer that's going to go along with my uh, list I'm taking to Vegas. I picked yellow because I was looking. At, I went to a color wheel. I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do for like the the accompanying Marines, and I literally just went to a color wheel. And like a really washed out yellowy brown is on the exact. If you take three points in the color wheel, like the equilateral triangle thing, you end up across from teal is a washed out yellow. So, and then from there you get like a purple as like the uh, other color that you can use in there, which I washed into the teals. So you also do purple lenses on the fists. Uh, I'm not going to, but I'm going to do some purple in the night that I'm painting up. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Right so on. I think it'll work out. Purple oh. gravity bullets on your devs, maybe. Yeah, they will. Ooh, for sure. yeah. Or any plasma that's purple would be really good. Uh, it's going to be just the grab because I'm going to do the jetpack still blue because I still like jetpacks blue. And I guess you're not taking plasma guns because no. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Um, so I did that. Uh, I got all of them built aside from the grab cannons that I haven't bought yet, and I've also got most of them airbrushed. Um, so yeah, things are coming uh, coming along with that, and I'm super happy with the regular Marines are going to be typical Imperial fist colors. They are pre heresy models, but then the veterans are going to be the uh, or I guess the sergeants are going to be the representing the veterans of the company. So they're getting the uh, Templar Brethren color scheme, which is the black armor with uh, yellow helmet and yellow shoulder pads. I kind of like it way more than the yellow 
in general. I think it looks yeah. really badass. And I'm kind of tempted to do the entire army that way, but it wouldn't make a ton of sense. So we'll see. Fair enough. Uh, Mike, what did you do other than Drop Fleet? Or was it just way more Drop Fleet? I saw pictures on the internet of Drop Fleet. There was lots of Drop Fleet. I couldn't, <laughs> st- I couldn't stop the Drop Fleet. Okay, well, two days after the podcast, I actually received my Kickstarter pledge, finally. Nice. So I put together all of the Scourge I had. I put together 70% of the UCM so far, 50% of the PHR. And I have finished painting all of my Scourge, finished... The, gro- the, yeah, the launch say, assets are almost done. I saw the Scourge on the Facebook. They look good. Now, there's a, there's lots that are ready to defend Earth. <laughs> the Scourge are ready to defend Earth. That's upsetting. But the way <laughs> well, the game they're is holding, they're, they are defending it against that invasion. Is true. That is true. Admittedly, it's second wave. It's not a lie. This is not propaganda. It is the truth. Yes, it is. Yeah, I it's guess. It's kind of a cool uh, background. I, I kind of like that, that Earth has already fallen. It's a little different. It's good. Yeah, it is good. And it seems like it's gaining a lot of traction locally, especially as a lot of Kickstarters are coming out. And what's really nice is I know a lot of guys that backed the Kickstarter and um, didn't want everything. have been selling it off to people like me <laughs> so that I can also have Drop Fleet now. That occasionally works out in your favor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it seems like the community is growing. Which, what did you pick up? I've got UCM. Did you pick up UCM? Yeah. Already? Yeah. Holy shit, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Did Kyle get his? I don't know. I haven't talked to Kyle in a bit. We'll okay. find out. Uh, Ward, how about you? Uh, well, yeah. I, was, I was recovering <laughs> uh, after my chain smoking Just competition. Say if you didn't do anything, that you didn't do anything. No, I did. I did build some drop fleet as well, actually. So nice. Yeah. So there should be hopefully some. I know you built PHR. <clears throat> I oh, did, yeah, and you did. and I'm yeah, I'm not too keen on their assembly procedures. So it uh, really? took how me so? a while. So uh, the fact that the two ship. The, the main body of the ship fits half and half, and you get a little nice, nice lovely seam, seam all the way coming down. Oh, and yeah, it's not a it's not a nice seam at the connection point where the hull should be smooth. Like I get it closer to the engine uh, areas and such, and like underneath, that's not an issue. Is it rem- easily remedied with like a little bit of green stuff and some sandpaper? Uh, you would think the green stuff is not too too bad. I kind of shaved down a little bit extra, so uh, the point drops off a little bit front on the on the front of the ships a little bit quicker, um, but it looks smoother. It it's the cruisers on the top there that I'm hoping after a, a coat of paint or two that you won't be able to really tell yeah. all the cleaning and, and that sort of thing. So That will uh, drive you crazy, so good luck with you that. You are yeah. not going to like the Scourge seam. I know I know the seam that you're talking about, and I know that I don't like it already. So Because there's a lot of detail around it. Yeah, <laughs> so, so a little bit frustrating with that, but that's all I've been... Uh, really working all in all, with. it's a pretty minor complaint. I'm not going to lie to you. You are a little OCD on your, your seams. On my cleaning? Your, yeah. My bases look fantastic right now. I bet they do. <laughs> <laughs> I cleaned like four starter sets worth of bases. So. Do you want a hint? Don't prime the bottom. You want that plastic. Yeah. To, it's smooth and it's flexible. Yeah. You put the primer on and get rigid. And, yeah. Rigid and such. So. Okay. That's, that's pretty much all I did. Rigid. So. I like how you're getting up on the rigid where I was totally caught up with the smooth and flexible. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Why? Yeah, I'm Priorities, gentlemen. <laughs> Priorities. Just let it go, Steve. Just do This debate not for this podcast. No. <laughs> Never. All right. Well, Dan. That's it for yeah. Wordo? That's it for me. Yeah. 
All right, so <laughs> I derailed that. I'm sorry. Uh, for myself, I after spending a week in BC where it was delightfully Edmonton-like weather. It was yeah. fucking snowing on Vancouver Island almost the whole time. Yeah, I heard about but, that. Uh, yeah, so that was cool. Like four inches of Slurpee on the ground, and everyone was summer tires. But um, so it wasn't a huge amount of hobby going on then. But I did have a little bit of time when I got back to do. A bit more work finishing up the last of the conversions for my Borderlands style. This is not a test crew. So there are, after about, I need to do about five more minutes of green stuff on the last one tonight. Um, and then that'll be. Who's like, the last one? Is it, are you Roland? a named character? Oh, Roland? Yeah. Yeah. So he's got to do, I forgot to do the, where I cut off the knee pads off the model. I did the green stuff seam around like the top of the knee pad to like fill in where that crease was but I forgot to do below the knee on both of them gotcha so I gotta finish that up but otherwise like his Sounds base pretty minor his base is all done and um, fully dried and cured with like the crackle uh, medium and the pumice gel and the rocks and everything it's literally just fill in that one seam around uh, his shins and he will be primed and that'll be the last of the seven models um, you know for messing around with starter gangs like fully converted and sculpted and based and primed and all the rest of it that's pretty so, awesome, dude. That's really good. So that's a pretty, considering how much conversion work went into each and every one of those fuckers, that's uh, a nice accomplishment to get to the point where I think there might be, like, maybe one more model that I could use for one of the player characters out of, like, stuff that I already own. But, um... So who would that be? Um, I have a model that I bought that I could force to be brick if I needed to, but it would be... I don't have a head in mind, which is the problem. You need the smallest head in the world. This giant dude with tiny yeah. little, tiny little shaved head. Yeah, you could probably almost get away with like a war machine jack. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know. He's the one or two models that I have left. There's a couple that would be like NPCs. Um, there's a few of the actually new ones that I want to get from Hassle Free once a couple more models get put on the store. But gotcha. uh, I think I have enough to get started and have a little bit of flexibility for the starter gang. Like for new models, I did up, um, I did up like a, what's his name, Mordecai the Sniper. So I did him based on... Oh, yeah, I forgot about that character. I was like, the sniper is the zero. What are you talking about? But you're talking Borderlands about Borderlands 1. Yeah. Yeah, so um, so he's got, like, the you know the weird, like, gimp mask with the ponytail and the big goatee sticking yeah. out and just this scrawny sniper dude with, like, giant knives on his back and stuff. Yeah, that's a cool character. I completely forgot about Mordecai. But, uh, so I don't have anything for Bloodwing. Yeah, I was going to say what you can do for the bird. But <laughs> I might have to convert a Bloodwing off of, uh, what would it be, one of the... Probably the Tomb King Plastic Vulture from the Tomb Guard Really? Kit. But he would need, like, bat wings. How big is Blood... Bloodwing's big, right? Bloodwing is giant when he's full of iridium in Borderlands 2 before he goes all explodey. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. Yeah, he goes explodey. Okay, the game came out, like, four years ago if you haven't finished it by now. <laughs> Sorry. Tom <laughs> hasn't. <laughs> Tom hasn't. By the way, Bloodwing explodes. <laughs> Get used to it. You have to fight him and you're trying Mordecai, to keep him alive and Mord- then he fucking explodes. Mordecai's not having a good time. With that. I'm actually there... Right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are you in like that wildlife preserve type area or whatever it's called? Uh, no, but I'm. Uh, I don't know. I'm. I'm where Mordecai is. He's in the tower and shit. That's a wildlife preserve. Yeah, you yeah. I think you're working it. your way towards getting Bloodwing back, and it's not going to end well. Just putting that out. Just there. FYI. Fair enough. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. But yes, yeah, so I don't have a Bloodwing yet, but I might convert, like I say, one of those uh, giant vultures to have bat wings or some fucking thing to look. Like. <laughs> there's got to be. There's got to be a better one, man. I don't know. I feel like that vulture's not the right one. That's that's just Bloodwing's such a weird model. I know. He's like he's not a not a Terran style like anything that exists in nature. He does not have teeth. He's, he's not a bird with teeth. But, but good glue work. You will need good glue work. It's true, actually. <laughs> 
So yeah, Bloodwing may come later, but for now Mordecai's good and whoever else. Like nice. the the sirens are both done. Really? The second soldier is just Shit, about done to roll a lot, hey? The are they, they are painted, are they? No, no. A couple of them are like have the like the base coat and the zenithal spray and stuff like that. Nice. But all the actual painting is yet to come. Mm, which one are you going to paint first? I want to know, because I want to see them. Mm, I go back and forth on that decision all the time. I might do Mordecai, because he'll be the fastest and simplest color scheme. And he doesn't have a lot of, like, I skin and Maya. tattoos and stuff. I want to see Maya. You need to do Maya. Maya with the fucking yeah. tattoos will be so difficult. And the black and yellow. It's going to look really good. Black, it's, yellow, and It's basically going to be blue. your Imperial Fists, but with fucking freehand swirly tattoos. Hey, my, my veterans got uh, some swirly, not tattoos, they, and not swirly, they're just straight lines. Uh, checkers? It's, it's not checkers, I did the... Um, oh, the stripe. Uh, no, no, what can I not <laughs> think of it? What's it called? The Black Templar symbol. Uh, it's oh, like the, the cross? Maltese cross thing? The Maltese, Maltese cross. cross. Uh, no, I don't know if it's a Maltese cross. I thought it was Temple an iron cross. cross. I thought it was an iron cross. Actually. That, iron that cross. symbol has been used for many things for like a thousand years. I think you're right, Mike. It's, it's the one it's, with I'm the... Pretty sure it's the Germans, I think, had a metal called the iron cross. That's why you can do Black Templar dice. The Maltese cross oh, goes back sense. to, like, the Templar days. Yeah, either way, I did that, but it wasn't as hard as the swirly tattoos, I'll be completely <laughs> honest with you. But, yeah, so Maya is one that I want to do, but I'm kind of scared to do. I'm also, I am also haven't figured out how to do that really pale skin tone yet. Yeah. I was tough. thinking P3, what is it? It's not Rin Flesh. What's their, like, super pale flesh? Uh, not Thrall. Pallid? No, 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 no. Um, I know it might be Rin Flesh. It might be Rin Flesh, but I was thinking Rin Flesh mixed with, like... Cut down with what is it? Um, White. Ah, <laughs> like Rakarth flesh or whatever. Like oh, Rakarth flesh is a nice color. Yeah, I was actually. thinking to blend those two so it's not super rich and it's not super dull, like somewhere in between. Actually, you should also look into. There's a couple colors that I got from Vallejo um, that I'll show you. Game color yeah. or model or model color? Uh, model air. Oh, it really? Might work in really well into that. Give you a little bit of Maybe. warmth without. Too, being too saturated. Yeah, because that's that's definitely the challenge, is getting a little bit of warmth into that color tone without... Because I, I do need to shade it down with um, like blue-gray or purple to mix this... to like get it to work the way I want, and that's going to be really tricky to balance. Again, that model will look awesome if I can pull it off, but it scares the shit out of me because I'm doing so many new things on it. That's fair. But uh, overall, yeah, I'm really excited to get started on actually painting that warband because I spent an eternity converting them. Yep. And we're, I'm hoping to be able to start playing with some fully painted This Is Not a Test sometime in the new year. That would be awesome. So, Yeah, I won't be that far off, because my regular troops I'm not going to put a lot of time into for This Is Not a Test initially. Yeah. So I think we'll be able to play pretty quick. Sounds good. Uh, I myself painted up six Malifaux models last Sunday. Oh, uh, yeah. day's work. <clears throat> I did up all of the... Like, Sparks is the foundry gremlin, who is basically the one that's there to support the new constructs they have. Um, the whole shtick is he's one of the guys experimenting with uh, making these gremlin constructs. So basically like steampunk cyborgs. Uh, and so I've got the three, and they call them survivors because out of all of the experiments, not all of them live. <laughs> so the ones that do are called the survivors, and that's the models you can take. Uh, and then I also did the mechanized pork chop. Uh, and I painted up Nunchaloja! The luchador? The luchador was so much fun to do. That guy was just a hoot. <laughs> so, no, and so it was a lot of fun, and it was actually kind of neat, too, because I've kind of got my gremlin scheme refined down to the point where it's pretty automatic to get a lot of the stuff done, and it's at a, you know, not a competition standard, but, like, a pretty good... 
gaming standard for those guys. And, like, I painted six models in a day, so really... Can't complain. Can't complain. That's awesome. So that's, I guess, it for me. Uh, let's go on to Shut Up and Take My Money. Um, let's kind of go out of sync. Ward, what do you got? Um, so for me right now, actually, GW might be getting some of my money pretty soon. <gasps> Are you taking mine? You're going to take mine? Yeah, uh, I want the new Thousand Sun book. Damn, that's not what I was going to say. Well, actually, that's good. Oh. It's not damn at all. Okay, there you go. So, Have you seen how it. big Magnus is yet? Uh, he's fucking huge. He's like the size of a, ti- uh, a knight. I yeah, swear to God, he's maybe half an inch yeah. short. Well, because the new Bloodthirster is about that size, isn't it? Because he's yeah. had his head, Tom. He's a hundred and sixty bucks. Yeah, I know. He's yeah, he's so huge. he. I know his that he's band is beautiful. Model. He's hung like this. Yeah, he's actually a crazy nice model. So I don't want to go too crazy off the get go. I want to pick up the book and just see if it's uh, worth it to maybe pick up Thousand Sons again because yes. I had them a long, long time ago <coughs> and I sold it them is. unfortunately and. I can tell you right now, the, every, the books, rules are out there on the internet, so this isn't going to be a surprise to anybody. Um, they are not going to be like the absolute top tier, but they are certainly playable. Are they, they, are they two models like before? No, uh, they aren't. Um, but they do have... The thing that's really smart is if you take veteran, or if you take the formation, everybody gets Veterans of the Long War for free. Um, and if you have Veterans of the Long War, I think you get Fearless as well so it fixes all the craziness of having just like because you take the th- rubric marines that have the ap3 bolters they're mm-hmm. already fearless but your regular crappy troops that are failing point of chaos are now yeah. just straight up fearless so they're playable for sure they've got some really cool stuff they can do too yeah, yeah. more plastic rubric marines i think would be awesome as well yeah, so actually the zangors are really good <laughs> the zangors are surprisingly nice yeah and they're so you, they're like the silver tower style but with 40k weapons too <laughs> yeah, they're actually quite good in game too. So, so that's that's what I'm looking at right now. So I haven't picked up anything yet. I'm kind of waiting because I I don't have a lot of Christmas like list ideas. So hopefully I get some gift certificates and <laughs> maybe go shopping yeah, after that. I understand so. that entirely. Yeah, nice. It's, yeah, too, it's too close to Christmas, Mike. I didn't say anything. I'm just minding my own business okay. here. Okay, huh? all right. That's You're jumping. That, that's He's disapprovingly minding his own business. That's true. I'm silently judging you. That's this is a thing I do. <clears throat> oh, I know. I know. Oh, yeah, we all know. <laughs> That's all I got. Cool. Tune in right now. Mike, <laughs> speaking of judging us, how about you? So we can uh, judge you. Uh, actually, most of my stuff went to other people. So my shut up and money is can I have it back again? I, I got nothing. I, I was just buying stuff for other people. Okay. Gotcha. Fair enough. Okay. I'm going to stay on the GW train then. Uh, my should up and take my money is, uh, it's, I don't think I'm ever not on the GW train as a side note, but nope. the Sisters of Battle model. Uh, the Canon S? I actually yeah, tried to get that. have instantly sold out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I missed that. Oh, I know. Well, so some people are saying that in the UK they're telling people there's another batch of them on the way or uh, something, or did they miss that apparent, too? I'm going to just try and be there on Saturday at a store, see if yeah. I can get one. No, that's I fair. I don't think it's going to happen, but if I can... Because they have no... Last I talked to somebody at Kingsway, they had no idea what they were going to get for numbers of those models, if any. Yeah, exactly. So, so I'm going to phone around to some of the people I know and see if I can... I want. Can we skip Tom so that I can say I got one of those models? Fuck you, really? Yeah. I'll go last. Did you, oh, you just were fast enough? Uh, no, I was on the website and I got one. Yeah. 
But I would have gotten multiples, but um, it was restricted to one per order. And in the time it took to, like, quickly check out and refresh the page, it was sold out. That's ridiculous. Otherwise, I would have just ordered two separately. But <laughs> and then lorded it over me when I couldn't have had even one? Yep. Thanks, Dan. You're the best. Well, I would have had one to paint and then one to have later in case I want to paint it again. Oh, or melt in front or of Or in me. case I lose it in a tube of paper towel. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's basically your MO when it comes to limited edition models. I found it eventually. But yeah, so I did did pick up that, and I also picked up a bunch of Vallejo paints. So I picked up some of the uh, model air paints um, in terrain-friendly colors, so like a lot of grays, browns, and greens, and bones, like beige, that kind of very neutral stuff for spraying scenery, and... Um, there were a couple of Leo metal colors that I, like, I, they went and I went there and they finally had some of the like exhaust manifold yeah. and magnesium and some of the interesting, like not just regular silver. Magnesium is the greatest color. Where did you pick those and stuff? That was all hobby wholesale. Oh, okay. The only place to go if you want Vallejo paints in Edmonton, really. Oh, and so oh, like number them. 11 exacto blades. Cause I only had one left. Oh, I need to do that too. That's important. It's a, it's a big deal. It is. Got to got to splurge and get the stainless steel ones. Did you get the like super sharp ones or just regular number elevens? The ones where my thumbs look like this. Do they have a <coughs> red cap or a clear cap? Can you get oh, I can't super sharp ones? Is that a thing? Red like sharp red ones? caps are super sharp. They had double honed ones. Really? Yeah. They had double honed ones, and they also had stainless steel ones. So I went for the stainless. Sometimes steel I feel you don't do the same hobby as the rest <laughs> of us, dude. I had no idea that you could get different <laughs> grades of Exacto knife blades at Hobby Wholesale. Yeah, one's one's I think huh. five bucks a pack, and one was like three bucks a pack. <clears throat> yeah, the red cap is super uh, sharp. I'm always red ca- red cap. Red cap it. Red cap it. I can't. Remember. I would. I, 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 don't I don't know which one I got, but I know it was the one that was stainless steel, and it was more money. I don't know if that's the double sharp. It one. could be the red cap. Double check when you get home. Text me. Uh, this is <laughs> the sound package. Is. So who the fuck knows? No, no. But even like the little tube. Yeah, because I have a bigger square tube that from a previous purchase that I just dumped them all into. Okay. The yeah, there on. you go. Yeah, see the, the red cap. The on better to the other You got the super sharps. So you got the super sharps. You never knew. Never knew. Do I even have it? Is this thing still good? Oh, it's still good. I got one left. Yay! <laughs> you get shopping. I would have bought sculpting tools, but they didn't have any. <laughs> My sculpting tool is a piece of shit. After I finish all these lovely conversions... I was like, this was a much bigger pain in the ass because my sculpting tool is like 15 years old. <laughs> yeah. You know what actually has really good sculpting tools is the Sarah's. Yeah. Yeah. Not anymore. Do uh, they not have them or did you buy them all? Well, okay, where are you talking? Because <laughs> the, the Sarah's I've been to have changed to more of a family art. Really? Just go to Delta. Anything you Desiris, can possibly you can buy to tons Delta. of stuff off their website as well. So. Okay, website I won't, uh, won't argue. Yeah. I haven't been in this area in a while, frankly, but I, I know last time I was in there, I bought a wooden sculpting tool. It was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Good selection. Anyway, I skipped Tom so I could laugh at Steve. Let's go back. Thanks. Okay, so I don't want to admit this. <gasps> I know what it is. I know exactly what it is. As soon as you said that. So I haven't bought it yet because they didn't have it in stock. But I did say that if there's ever rules... In 40k for Iron Warriors, I would at least give it a shot. Oh, they're doing it so well, too. So I haven't read the rules. I don't know what they do. Because, again, they didn't have it in stock. I don't even know you anymore. Do you want to know what the main rule is for their formation that everybody's freaking out? Is why Iron Iron Warriors Warriors? might be the best uh, Chaos Legion in the game now? What does it do? Uh, You get to take... um, Why can I think of Not Devastators, not Mutilators. What are the Obliterators? Obliterators is troops. Obsec obliterators? Yeah. That's Straight not up. bad. That's not bad. Yeah, that's just one of their formations. 
Don't even, don't even know you. No. You know what's really bad? I give zero fucks. That's, that actually turns me off of the book. I don't want obsec obliterators. I want fucking Iron Warrior Marines. Yeah, again, almost all the legions, if they have, if you take the legion-specific rules, you get fearless troops. They get veterans of long war for free. Ooh, fearless, like every other fucking legion. Give me a real rule that's Iron Warriors. There's some great ones. They have all the siege rules that are the exact uh, opposite of, like, the Imperial Fists. So they've got the same characterful rules. You cannot... The only thing that they don't have that you're wishing out of your 3.5 codex is they cannot take a uh, uh, basilisk. Yeah, but I'm sure you can find a way to do that with other formations if you, you want You have traitor guard, you can take that, no problem. But they're, the rules, they have like four or five formations per legion uh, plus a main <coughs> like uh, demi-formation type thing for each legion. But anyways, I'm going to buy it because I've got the army. You're going to like it. I I'll see that. if I like it. Um, I'm a little bit apprehensive as to whether or not... This is one of those things where I'm buying it because I said I would, but I'm not really that excited about it either. Oh, dude. I know. So I don't know. I understand. I understand why you're not excited about it. (sighs) I've just been hurt so many times. You know what I mean? Like... I've had so many chaos books where they're like, we're going to do it right this time. And then it just sucks so fucking hard. (laughs) And then I buy it and I'm like, I don't know how expensive this one is, but the last one I bought was like 80 fucking dollars. How much much is this one, Steve? I don't know. Um, But let me, I'm just going to go through some of their special. I'm just going to throw them out there during the podcast at random. So I'll start with the first (laughs) random Iron Warrior specific rule. Blood feud. All units with veterans of the long war, which everybody now has for free. Uh, reroll all missed attacks in melee against Imperial Fists and do so each round, but all Imperial Fists gain hatred against you as well. So you two don't get along. Well, realistically, it'd be Steve and I because we're never paid for the army. I guess I better start maybe doing something. Okay, give me another one. Iron within, iron without. What does it do? Everybody gets six plus feel no pain. Ooh. <coughs> You gonna be okay over there? You gonna make it? Yeah. Um, okay. For free. That's just just what you get. All right. Okay. Still more. Give me another one. <laughs> Patrons of the techno virus. Okay. <laughs> That's the one where <laughs> obliterators and mutilators are true choices. Mm. Just straight up. Siege masters, units reroll failed armor pen against buildings. Havocs, obliterators, and mutilators get tank hunter. Oh. So that's like 3.5 again. Yes. Except they don't have to pay for it. Yeah. And they have formations on top of that. This is just the army special rules before we get to any formations that give you more stuff. It's pretty good. Every re- legion oh. is out of control. Death Guard with their pox hive is ridiculous. Again, I don't want to hear about Death Guard. No, just saying. No. I am buying this book I, for I don't, four I don't. reasons. <laughs> well, there's four I just read out there, so that's... Well, that's the realistically, the only reason I say four reasons is because of my legion. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, I gotcha. So so that you just have to get the Codex Supplement Trader Legions for all that stuff, right? Yep. Okay. Well, yeah, because any other rules that I need are already in the shitty book that I own. Yeah. And the thing that's nice about that, too, is if they ever update the underlying Codex with better stuff, your stuff just gets better. Or different, or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, so like I'll be looking into that. Um, patrons, the techno virus. That just sounds so awesome. <laughs> oh my god. Fuck. <laughs> yep. 
So does that mean that all of oh ooh. you can't you can't take any marks? So, but that's true to the fluff. There was one mark that I used to take in my ironware army. You know what that was? Corn. Nope. Undivided. Yeah, bitches. Lovely. Okay. Back when there was a mark of cast undivided. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's not a thing anymore. I forgot about that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, your havocs that you have. I'll get tank hunter. With all those auto cannons. That's a little scary. Again. That's actually kind of good. And then the unit on top of that has just six plus feel no pain for fun. You like, know what actually could be really fun conversion is taking all of those terminators that I'm never going to use from those. Uh... Oh, don't do that. That's just actually like a lot of people are like this army might be one of the most vicious shooting armies out there by far. The amount of like just t- shifting. Don't even know you. Shifting an obliterator off of an objective is already not fun, and then now they're just better end troops with OPSEC. <laughs> like, oh, it's just ridiculous. Like, Chaos is actually going to be a, a tournament-level army again. Well, and honestly, for me, the level of how hard they'd compete was never a factor. I know. I know, I know it wasn't, but it's good to not get just shit-kicked every game. That's kind of a thing that isn't fun. So it, it, it's good that they're at least in the conversation again. I just I get fluffy rules, and that happen to be really damn good. Let's not forget <laughs> about this. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. All those things you used to willingly pay for that you now get for free. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Plus formation benefits. So. Yeah. That is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So Dan, why don't you tell you? You mentioned briefly that you went to BC. Yes, I did. Uh, why did you go? Well, for fake Christmas, because uh, it's way cheaper to go in early December rather than like right around Christmas, especially at the last minute, like I did last year. Paid like eight hundred dollars for flights instead of like three twenty-five or whatever, like I paid this time. But yeah, that's uh, so that's part of it. Like I've got family out in BC, <coughs> and uh, including like you know my sister got married in the last year and had a baby and stuff. So family, family things. I feel like but you're making it way lamer if you're like I went to go see family. When instead you could be talking about. Well, I say it first just in case they listen. There's no fucking way in hell your family listens to this podcast. It yeah, could happen. They did. If they did, they aren't anymore. It could happen. <laughs> Long ago. But, uh, yeah, so I attended MechCon, which was put on by Piranha Games, the makers of MechWarrior Online. So that was their um, kind of a combined event that they put on a really big tournament, the like World Championships for MechWarrior Online, or the last, like I want to say, six months. They had these like massive, like, 100 team per region, like round robin qualifiers, <coughs> and regional finals, and then the like grand finals. Um, so they had their esports tournament thing wrap up. The winners walked away with like 90 grand. Holy and shit. And it was like 90, 40, 16 or something for the split. Something like, it was That's like 150 crazy. grand that they gave away. That's so, absolutely insane. I can't, I can't get over that MechWarrior Online gave away that kind of money. Yeah. Like, that's ridiculous. Yes, well, so that it's was, peanuts compared to what true. the league does. It's true. It was, it was not, like, millions of dollars, but, uh, yeah. It Still was, more than any 40K tournament. <laughs> it was significant. It was a... So, yeah, there was maybe 500 people there or something at the Commodore Ballroom, and they had... Um, so, yeah, they had, like, the stage where there was the World Championship rounds being played out and on the projectors with commentary... Uh, they also had, like, uh, Catalyst Game Labs was there, and they had um, some of their creators and, um, like, some of the artists from the video games and from the tabletop games. They had George Ledoux, who was one of the voice actors from MechWarrior 4, the voice of Duncan Fisher. That is obscure. <laughs> he was actually a super cool guy. I hung out with him for, like, 20 minutes at the end when I think everyone 
didn't notice he was standing off to the side, and we just chatted, and he was actually a really cool guy. Nice. But, uh, yeah, and there was, uh, yeah, Hairbrained Schemes, the guys from the turn-based Battletech Kickstarter were there, showing off uh, the same game demo from the summer, but with, like, different mechs swapped in, so you could get a little different variety. Oh, nice. And so played through, uh, yeah, that demo mission, which was awesome. Like, beautifully elegant combat system. It still has enough depth between, like, being able to hold actions and stuff on your lighter mech so they can choose when they act in sequence and everything. Um, just really interesting, really simple, and cannot wait to see what the campaign system is for that. Do you only play it once? I only play it once. You didn't just recycle the line like a million times? No. No? No, that would have that would have been pretty cool. And there was, was the definitely, there were definitely some it? people that did. Was it was it good <laughs> enough that it was worth would have been almost worth doing that kind of thing? Um I played it. I actually am kinda interested in this game. See half the thing <laughs> half the reason I didn't need to play it multiple times was uh, I went and I actually went with my old man because um, I bought two tickets way in advance, just assuming that and tickets were cheap. They were yeah. like fifty bucks or something, so Assumed that uh, I'd be able to find somebody to go hang out with or whatever, but not a lot of people want to go to BC for like a day to go to a MechWarrior convention. Yeah, that's a small... Uh, we all turned you down. Yeah, <laughs> It's uh, kind of a niche interest thing, but uh, yeah, my dad <laughs> my dad went, and uh, like by the end he was actually getting pretty into it. Like It took a while with all the tournament games to understand what was going on, but because they had, all right. because they had like um, experienced broadcaster type um, like Twitch feed guys... Oh, that's awesome. So they that had, makes a huge deal. So they had them, they, they were doing like featured matches on Twitch throughout the entire qualifier and regional finals, and they flew them in to do the um, the final matches as well, and so like, with all that commentary and explanation and analysis, it was like the play-by-play on regular sports, so people who don't necessarily know the game inside yeah. and out can, after like an hour or so of watching these high-end matches, they can kind of understand the strategies and what's going on, and like he started getting into it, which I did not expect. <laughs> But anyway, so like one of the tables that we snagged in the center was actually <coughs> right by the Hairbrained Schemes booth. So like as we were just sitting there at the table off and on throughout the day, like I watched people play that demo so fucking many times. Okay, fair enough. And it was funny because a lot of them got their asses handed to them where I think I lost my trebuchet to a lucky crit, but like that was it. Like, yeah, it, so was, it was good. It was fun. Reason I'm interested in this is the 40k epic turn-based games. Is it anything like that? I haven't played any of those games okay. in an eternity. Because those were really fun. But um, it's basically <laughs> like Final Liberation. Final Liberation was awesome. So the basic yeah, mechanics. Yeah, that got me into the games. So real really? quick, basic mechanics of like how the Hairbrain Scheme game works for anybody. If you want to just watch the tech demo as well, there's the like pre-alpha footage. Uh, there's a few videos online for it that they've put out. But you basically just go through your mechs in by weight class, and the lighter mechs have the option of going first or holding their option, holding their action till later, mm-hmm. so they can kind of like backstab people and do other things after the enemies move into Makes range. Makes sense. The more agile, yeah. Thing. The more agile ones are more flexible. But you you basically just alternate um, activating mechs by weight class, and like you move. Um, so you it's it is kind of like a modified modified like hex based thing. You don't really see the hexes, but they're there. So mm-hmm. you move into position, turning and rotating costs you more movement. That sort of a thing. It shows you what your what models you're going to have line of sight to, like before you confirm your movement. That sort of thing. Then yeah, you can click on whoever you want to fire at, select which weapons you want to fire, and then just fucking blast away. It has nice. little animations and stuff. And the, overheat the fuck out of your mech. You certainly can. <laughs> can you kill yourself by overheating? I never got to that point, but uh, I, I would assume, assume so. that if you start overheating, you start getting a lot of the because the game is very like not directly in a lot of ways, but yeah, it is very strongly influenced by the tabletop um, game design. 
So like the numbers in the background running are based off a lot of the tabletop modifiers and mechanics um, while making some other changes to suit the format and everything. So I would assume that if you get like way up on the heat scale, you can start risking like, you know, ammo criticals or like ammo hits as you're cooking off your ammo bins and stuff like that. Your mech will shut down and you'll just be a nice sitting target. Yeah. That sort of thing. I did see somebody overheat a mech where they just kept alpha striking on these like light tanks that like one hit and they die, but he just kept alphaing them. So he was shut down and it was kind of like, okay, I'll make a note. Those things will die from one hit. Don't fire every single gun at them. (laughs) But uh, no, it was, it was good. It was fun. It was fast paced and there is a lot of like terrain effects and strategy involved for sure. And, the campaign system sounds amazing, and yeah, so that was pretty cool. They had uh, some of the artists and creators and like stu- you know studio heads and stuff like that. Like Mitch was the one that I talked to a lot more than anybody from HBS. He was really cool. Hmm. Uh, That's pretty awesome. And yeah, he was involved with some of the old school like Mech Commander and like Mech Warrior two and three and stuff like that. So wow. Yeah, they had Jordan Weisman was there as well. Uh, like creator was like mid early nineties, wasn't it? I think so. Holy shit, that's a long way back. Oh yeah, the game definitely definitely has crazy history. But no, it was just it was a really cool event. It was almost in the style of similar to like a Games Day or something like that. But um, they haven't been running it for twenty years in one format or another, so they've I'm sure learned a few lessons along the way as well. Yep. And to well, things will be better for next year. There's you know, tentative plans to do it again next year. They considered it a success. So. Still in Vancouver? I would imagine so, because yeah. their head office is, um, their studio office is in Vancouver. Okay. So it makes way more sense for them to do it locally rather than was, ship a bunch of was stuff. Was there elsewhere. a mech painting contest? There was no hobby stuff necessarily. Again, there were the demo tables for Catalyst. Mm-hmm. But it was in, That like, actually kind of makes sense. It was though. in a fairly dark room, <laughs> for starters. Like, it was like a ballroom yeah, but like, slash like bar the, type location, so it was hobby, really dark. The hobby side of things, though, is a competitive to their business model, right? Like, it was it was Mech Warrior for the video game, not for a hobby. Um, it was kind of there. It was set up as sort of a celebration of the game in general. So really? they did have okay. They did have the, um, like the tabletop people. They did have some of the artists from the tabletop games. They did have Hairbrain. They had everybody involved, so it was like the entire active franchise and everything, but obviously the the main event was the World Championships and and the announcement of MechWarrior 5, which will be coming out in 2018. So they showed off the trailer and confirmed that game for the first time. It'll be more like a AAA style, like, buy it for 60 bucks, you get your single-player campaign. Um, it'll have, I think they were saying they're going to go for the procedurally generated, like, open-world universe campaign, and it'll span... 3015 to 3049, ending in the clan invasion, and like just starting into that. So they have plenty of room to. So yeah, Mech, Mech Warrior 5 Mercenaries. And it won't have all the like microtransaction y stuff that drives a lot of people away from MWO. <laughs> and it'll also not be on uh, CryEngine, which makes the developers want to rip their hair out. Yeah, well, it also looks prettier if you're willing to do that. True. But, but for a small studio yeah, that to is, be doing anything with CryEngine. Did they say what engine they're doing it on? Unreal 4. Really? Surprising that they wouldn't have gone for something a little more flexible like Unity. I don't know. Yeah, I was thinking Unity or Frostbite would have made sense initially, but they're going with Unreal 4. Weird. Okay. So. But. <laughs> I feel like we just lost some of you guys. Hey, yeah, some yeah. of these people right? out here, I'm sure, play with <laughs> Okay, so let's, let's just, like, bring this back. Um, for people that either A, care about video games, or B, care about Battletech, or, like, the rare person like Dan, that this is like a true synthesis for, it's really cool hearing about this event. Um, one of the things that, that kind of is like a take home for me is th- I didn't even know this thing fucking existed. 
And so, with a little bit of research, this is probably a cool event for whatever you love. And it's really cool to hear that you actually were able to go to one that was so catered towards something that you actually enjoy like this. You could go because really for me, this is kind of like you went to this, whereas I'm gonna go to Lock and Load, right? Mm-hmm. And it was it was something that I can definitely see them improving on and expanding and you know doing a better job promoting and everything in the future. Like a lot of people had no idea what to expect from this. There were a lot of people that didn't expect them to be able to afford the hundred thousand dollar prize money for the tournament. But they did. They gave it because they had like an in-game item that contributed money as well to the prize pool. It was 150 grand. Like it was. It was overall a pretty cool event. It was bigger and bigger and better run than I expected. Uh, meeting them, like the artists and uh, designers and everything was really cool. For um, just again, like a lot of these people that you can you see the names, maybe see their Twitter feeds or something like that. But yeah, being able to like hang out with um, like Alex Iglesias and Anthony Scroggins and. Uh, Lauren Bamlett wasn't announced as being part of like the signing area for the artist, but she was hanging out there too. She's one of the texture artists for PGI, and she was awesome. I think Dennis was the art director, who was actually really—I co- may have screwed up the name—but he was really cool to sit and chat with for like 15 minutes as well. So, hmm. no, it was just overall like really great event. The community there was awesome. Like even just complete random strangers standing around talking to each other and everything. It was. Because it was such a niche event, even the more anti-social gamers and everything, you knew you had so much in common with everybody else there. There was there was definitely a lot of camaraderie and, you know, talking to people and just finding, yeah, like, how'd you get into this? Like, what are your origins? Do you, did you play the tabletop game? Do you just play the video games? Like, it was a neat event. And there is a, it is a relatively small community, but it is a pretty dedicated and passionate one, like... These, these people have strong opinions about their battle. And uh, as you may have guessed. Shocking. Do you think you're going to go next year? Um, if the timing works out the same, where it's in December, yeah. then if I can swing it again with family and convince them that I'm not just do, planning my trip around Metcon, mm, gotcha. then that might be an option in the future. But yeah. so no, it was, it was fun, and I would definitely do it again. And I think they will streamline the event a little bit and you know figure out some of the timing and the logistics issues and stuff like that. But no, overall, it was really sweet, and I think it's something that... Um, yeah, just these types of events and conventions, whether it's for a small miniature game or whatever, you get a dedicated group of people and put on an event that just appeals to like a different, like broad spectrum of players. Whether it's the hardcore gamers, people that are more interested in like the you know art and design portions of it. If you appeal to a broad enough demographic, even in a small community, you can get a good turn. So like, it really does make me hope that. Whether it's at LBO or something like that, that some of the smaller manufacturers like um, World's End doing TNT, if they can start putting on events or, you know, running events at a larger convention like a Gen Con or whatever, yeah. like, there's there's such a cool way to meet people and, uh, yeah, just really get connected and uh, enthusiastic with the community. And yeah, well, that's the entire reason we're all into this hobby is basically because of the events that we attended at some point. If we were all just doing it in the basement with no sort of social aspect to it. I don't think anybody would be playing games like this for that long. You'd move on to something else. Well, in all honesty, the reason I like these games more than most video games is the social aspect. Yeah, I'd agree. It's for me right? Too. Right? We, we all met each other through these games. Yep. So. It's like a weird dating system. <laughs> <laughs> That's another discussion in time. Well, I haven't <laughs> fucked any of you, so this is a really shitty dating site. You were pretty close. Really? Uh, <laughs> in bed with me. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess there's that. <laughs> Is that a Vegas right. story? <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. So, um, all right. We've, I feel like we often like to talk about things that are done really well on this podcast and generally try to be a little bit more positive. Um, 
We'll talk about like how great the Drop Fleet Kickstarter was. I'll even talk briefly about how I'm happy with what Games Workshop's doing these Speaking days. Speaking of which, I have more rules for you. Okay, what do we got? <laughs> uh, they're uh, Stronghold Auxiliary. One to three fortifications within 18 inches of your uh, deployment edge. If you kill a uh, unit within 18 inches of your fortifications, you get a victory point. Oh. Oh, see, that's cool. Yep. Okay, see, right, like, <laughs> so we can talk about companies like Games Workshop, and there's really only one company these days that I have absolutely no faith will ever do anything that I want to play again. And for those at home... <laughs> I know, I, I feel bad because I actually have a fleet for one of their games. I, and I love the, I love my oh, French models. And the Antarctica I, fleet I, looks good. I even like the, the core rule set for the most part. Yeah, okay, so it's... But come on, Spartan, like... So all, all of us have Spartan some, fleets for, for Drop Zone. Or no, yeah, Dystopian Wars. Even Dan has some painted Dystopian. Yeah, yeah. And they look really good. Actually, I have to say their Dystopian stuff I still think is their best. Easily. Uh, and some of their ships are really pretty. And I know, Mike, you have a ton of them. Yep. And your Japanese fleet is one of my favorite. Like, in any miniature game in that scale, I actually think looks absolutely incredible. Yeah. I, it's okay. But, but like, here's the thing. I, I was really gung-ho when Second Ed came out, right? Like, really gung-ho. And then I read the rule book, and it was a, a worse formatted version of 1.5, or 1.1, or whatever the fuck the previous one was. It was With really no new horrible. scenarios. It was really done poorly. No fun rules interactions. And then they released this big campaign book, and the campaign book... Have you played uh, any of... Two no, I have. I, yeah. Once you learn how to play it, it's faster. But it's still lacking everything that you're looking for. The uh, scenarios are still exactly the fucking same. Everything that I'm looking for. The only difference, <laughs> Can you really, sugarcoat that? No, the only difference between no, no, one and two you've made is clear. This is how you deploy you like, your fucking right? army. It's really the only main difference. Is part of me. How saying. you deploy your army? Yeah, yeah. No, oh, yeah. I'm not going to argue. That. I give up playing it too. I give up trying to get people to play. It's so just to, it's, they're not doing themselves any favors. So essentially, what Spartan did uh, right now is they basically decided to launch a Kickstarter. Uh, Another Kickstarter. An- well, let's let's be clear here. Originally, they were going to launch a Kickstarter for a completely unrelated, like foray into a different scale dystopian bullshit, and then everyone lost their minds on them, and they realized that that's the last thing anyone wanted, and then they thought to themselves, it's only been two years since we released a new edition, let's do it again! Yeah, so this this Kickstarter has been, uh, I guess, modified from like what they originally wanted to do, and now essentially what it is, it's a new rule set, uh, new supplements for all the, your core nations, uh, and a new starter set, which... I don't think anybody was really clamoring for maybe like a few like additional like rules, uh, a scenario book uh, would have been nice, that sort of thing. I wa- and and not just these campaign books they release, which have no real new scenarios in them. They just kind of like talk about shit that happens. They're basically glorified novels with army lists in them, and they they need fucking scenarios. Yeah, I will. I will agree. That was there whenever I played. You had one scenario. It really felt like you had the different victories you roll for. Kill their big ship. Yeah, that's, that's the scenario was kill. There was nothing else going on in the whole game. Yeah. So I mean, with with this Kickstarter, it's it's pretty lackluster in in all ways, shapes, or forms right now. Uh, like you could sign up for an ensign and basically get 
progress reports and and some add-ons if you want. Wait, um, so you don't get anything more if you sign up for a higher level? You well, Ensign's only more. one pound. Or yeah, okay. most, Kickstarter, most Kickstarters do that just so you have an option to buy the like pick and choose add-ons. Huh. So you're not getting like you're not getting a core pledge level. You're just getting the option to buy add-ons later. Yeah. Okay. So the idea is you wouldn't get the starter set with this. No. Oh, no. you can. There, I mean, there is a level That's a higher for the tier. starter set. Like okay. there's there's new rule books, two point five rule books, and that sort of thing. Um, and then all the way up, uh, they've got retail packs, which is a little bit interesting to me. Retail packs through a Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of retail, a lot of Kickstarters are starting to do that to cut out the distributors. I guess that makes sense. I know a lot of the local shops around here have picked up stuff off of Kickstarter. Yeah, but the problem there is if you're cutting out the distributors, anything after that first wave is going to be a lot more problematic to get, and it's just setting the games up for failure. Yeah, true. It's going to be a little... It's not yeah. quite that bad, because a lot of the... a lot Like, the majority of stuff <laughs> will go through the distribution channels, like but not for a year or so. So that initial wave, it's it seems a lot riskier for a lot of the retailers, because... They don't necessarily like again. They're buying stuff way far in advance. Don't know if the game's going to be good or not. Don't know is if it going to be product good or not. Or don't know if it's going to be fulfilled even. Because there yeah, there's is, a risk. There's a risk as well. Right? So if you're ordering like 20 sets for your store and something happens and goes wrong with the Kickstarter and you're screwed, that could be a big hit to a small store. It's it's a lot of overhead. Yeah. Just, just site, committing so. your money that far in advance and not having any way to return unsold <clears> product or whatever. It's a little bit sketchy for retailers. It is weird. I will give it that. I, I personally, I don't think this Kickstarter was warranted or needed um, in this in this way that they're doing it. Because they've um, done starter boxes before with no issue through conventional, just their conventional interior means funding and pre-order. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know if the company itself is stretched a little bit thin, and this is the way to kind of like offset that because they have been delving into really weird scales that nobody wanted. And Halo just, Fleet game. Yeah. Yeah, right? Like, so they, they, for me, there's no better way to describe how fucking useless this company is than getting the IP to Halo and not giving you the Master Chief model in 28 mil. The, yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's what like, everybody wanted. Everybody wanted a Master Chief killing a whole bunch no of No one like, wants a fucking aliens. ship you see for 30 seconds in one of the games. <laughs> uh, admittedly, there's a little more. There's a lot of Halo fleet. Cutscenes. I played all the Halo games. Yeah, like there's there's shooting actions. There's some little fighter battles. Yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff. And actually, the ship design in Halo it reminds me a lot of the UCM stuff for um, uh, Drop Drop Fleet. Sure. So there is that. I mean, their ships are cool, but I'm totally. But again, I was going to say I was down in Sentry Box in Calgary. Do you know what they have an absolute abundance of? Halo, uh, the board game, because they can't get rid of it. You know what? You know what they honestly should have done instead of fucking Halo Mass Effect. I would buy a Mass Effect fleet game. That would be interesting. See, that would be cool. But that would also be fucking sweet to have, like, an RPG-style game, too. Like, that would be a good one to have 28-scale miniatures. But, like... But your main character me, is a it's little like, less it's such, iconic in some ways. Yeah. Shepard's a little less iconic because there are so many ways of building him. Anyways, Robert's and, and you could have, like, different yeah, spectrum. But it's such a, like, more expansive universe. Yes. There's more races. There's more more different styles. But if you like, are in Halo, you need Master Chief. Halo is built yes. around Master Chief. There's no argument there. More than probably any other video game, maybe, I, I don't know, maybe other than, like, Solid Snake from Metal Gear, you might need him. I don't I don't know. But, like, yeah, it was just a missed on that. On well, and it, for me, it's this is a company that, first off, ha- should, if they're not about to go tits up, have the resources to just release this shit normally. Because, really, what it comes down to is they are releasing five 
or six boxes for the coronation, like one per coronation. So just so we're clear, what happened to their like um, their actual twenty eight mil scale dystopian stuff? Because they had nobody Nothing. wanted it, so they canned it. I think you can still buy it, but I don't think it's it's it hasn't taken off. And like, that's what, I know no one that has. That's what they that. were kickstarting originally, though, wasn't it? No, they were talking about expanding like the universe, and I guess they they decided that this was the option <coughs> to go with is which is, is basically come out with a newer version. ships. Yeah, new ships that don't. Well, and look, one of them is an iceberg. One of them is an iceberg. But I mean, just well, even, that seems like a bad sculpt. Even just <laughs> just the write up was just like uh, here. I will quote. Um, uh, the innovative, sparring, exploding D6 dice mechanic delivers exciting gameplay and rules cater for a myriad of combat options within a game system that already has over 500 models available for it. So at that point, why do they need... The Kickstarter. The, the Kickstarter, necessarily, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I get it that com- like established companies are doing Kickstarter, and that is totally fine. Um, but there's, there's usually a better reason for it. Like Hawks doing it because they're doing plastic they can, tooling. They're doing plastic right away, which is a big step. It's yeah. a lot of money, and it also makes it easier to get into the hobby because it brings the price of the miniature. Also, yeah. Hawk did a brand. It's a brand new system. It's yeah. not a brand new starter set. Yeah, and Hawks is also very ob- like uh, open and upfront with yes, we probably could do this and launch a traditional sort of uh, route. But we want to do it all at once. And, we, and they wanted to do it right, and they yeah. were able to do it right this way. And it's a great way to raise funds, because it's hard to, like, you can't go to a venture capitalist group and say, like, hey, I want to build a miniatures game. Like, that's a really tough market to try and get investors from. Yeah. Kickstarter makes sense, um, you know, for that sort of thing. So I, I get the hawk side of things, but just this seems really strange. Again, because it's not a new, it's not a real expansion. It's a starter set, a box for every core fleet, and mm-hmm. a couple new books. This is a normal release. The the set the big thing that is eight hundred pounds is that you can actually work with the design team. I think for like three days, design your own ship class, whether it's small, medium, or large, and either have it tooled just specifically for you, or you can approve it that Spartan can make it and everybody can use it. And or you know what they should do so is they should pay us to get a really good ship to no, no, go no. there and well, help them break the fucking rules. Yeah, so basically a thousand bucks and everything. Yeah. Like sixteen hundred bucks. Um, sixteen hundred bucks, but you could just be like, I paid this much money and now I have this ship to play with my. Oh, this Bodie McBoatface. Oh, face that no one else is allowed to use and just run train on people. Yeah, so With they'll, Cody they'll, they'll make way OP. they'll make you six complete squadrons of whatever option you choose because you can choose the size class and the faction and and all of that jazz. Like we go back to the Bodie McBoatface, little Bodie McBoatface. You only get one. You only get one. Well, you just have to buy it twice. Don't make this ridiculous. Yeah, I mean that's thirty-two hundred Canadian. You can have. So I mean that in its own right. I mean, if they're if they're including it to like release everybody, how long is that process going to take? Being in Canada, how can I really be involved in that process? That sort of thing, right? So yeah, it's it's an interesting dynamic. Even more money. That's how you do it. Yeah, well, you're going to already throw however many thousands of the dollars. Yeah, you can afford a plane ticket. Yeah, I guess so. There were people that bought. To go back to the MechWarrior Online example, back in the old IGP days, they were, they sold like like cosmetic mech skins. You could buy like a five hundred dollar gold mech, and they sold out of most of them. Oh yeah, that's typical for like if you get like one percent of your player base that is fucking embezzling money or something. Russian oligarchs. Because apparently there was somebody recently that got busted for embezzling 
a million dollars from work. Or sorry, he stole five million dollars from work. One million of which he spent on. Oh shit! Which one was it? It was one of those like game of war style like in-app purchase games. How he embezzled five million dollars from work and spent a million of it on in-app purchases for one cell phone game. Wow! So he's telling me those Clash of Clans. I, so I, I, <laughs> I think how? it was the Game of War one. I bet you. He how do you even shit do that? that game. Maybe if you spend enough money on Game of War, you can actually buy uh, Kate Upton. Yeah, maybe oh, that's how maybe. she got it. Maybe that's why she's not in the commercials because he bought the exclusive he... rights to Kate Upton. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it'd be more than a million dollars for that. But anyway, so I, um, I also I also just grabbed some numbers because again we're all well four of us are fans of Draw Fleet. Dan, <laughs> yeah, um, then there's me. Well, but then I feel like Dan. Dan is a fan insofar as he likes that we like it, but he, like, he was never doing it. He himself. likes the He's aesthetic. Just a truculent you like the aesthetic. Bastard. Right? I've got nothing against it by any stretch. Right? Go. I'm going to go with you're just a truculent bastard. Okay, so the difference between the two a is, is Draw Fleet was asking for four thousand pounds. Yeah, uh, they finished at six hundred twenty nine thousand dollars. Wait, they were asking pounds. for four thousand pounds. pounds. They 40, were asking 000, for 40, 40, forty thousand. Okay, that makes a lot more 40, sense. Forty thousand pounds. Four. They got six hundred twenty nine thousand. Hit their target in backers easily. Hit their target. Yep. Yeah. Um, draw or uh, Spartan has asked for fifty thousand. It's not a brand new game system. It's basically a new rule set and a new starter set. The models don't look anything different. Those numbers Compared are pretty fucking arbitrary, though. For for a system like this, where they know they're going to make ten times as much in pledges. However, their pledge finishes in seven days, and they've reached eighty three thousand. Hmm, that is a lot more subdued than I would have expected. Usually, Very board subdued. games like absolutely nuke their targets. So not 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 completely there. Um, Drop Fleet was almost four thousand backers. Um, Spartan is almost six hundred. Huh. Whoa. So that is surprising to me. Quite a difference. It's not surprising to me because this is a company that has fucked their fan base. There's yeah, there's it's not exciting. Like for me, I'm just like, well, if I want the new starter set, if I want the new starter like, set, I'll I we drove to Calgary out. for a Dystopian Wars tournament because we were so gung ho on the game. Yeah. And then when the company decided to not support it in a meaningful or real way, you just how do you keep playing it? Like it's they were worse than Games Workshop for not releasing scenarios or viable content or anything yeah. to make the game playable. Well, you know what? Maybe and there was a period where Games Workshop was one of the worst companies for that. Oh, without a doubt. I, there was a point where, where everybody was leaving uh, Jump Ship on GW stuff, and I can't blame anybody that did at that period because they were really out to launch on, on supporting their game system. And Spartan makes that era Games yep. Workshop look fucking glorious. And not only that, <laughs> GW realized fairly quickly this is not a good idea. Let's not do this anymore. So the reason that I want to... So hopefully Spartan... Yeah, the reason that I wanted to compare Spartan um, to Hawk was just like, Hawk is doing a lot of things in a a good fashion. They have tournament packs that actually have uh, scenarios. um, And every new book that comes out adds more scenarios to the game. They're, they're They're meaningful releases, right? So And the scenarios aren't just... Do this one thing the same way that you're doing elsewhere. Yeah. Like. Yeah. No, no, I know it sounds ridiculous. Are but you blowing? Correct. Are you blowing up big things or little things? How the? F- okay, like seriously, how the fuck is that a different scenario? <laughs> like in what well, universe? It's not. it's not. They don't. It's a different victory condition. 
They don't work sure. as a scenario. I know. Don't get me wrong. Fine. Victory condition. But I that's know. bullshit. Because what yes. victory conditions do not create replay value. No. And I love my French fleet. And I had a I did early on have a lot of fun playing against Mike doing some dystopian wars. Like the French versus those versus the Blazing Sun. All that was awesome. But they actually have a really good IP. I'm gonna say I I think their IP is really it's, solid. It's interesting, yeah. It's but rock I mean, hard. But I mean, this it's co- full blown tentpole. Yeah, it's pretty cool. This this Kickstarter just offers nothing extra, at least to me. So well, with, it's a shit made out of an iceberg. What's not to love? Okay, is it actually like uh, it's an I'm aircraft imagining? carrier built out of like it's the around Prussians, an iceberg? So I would want it apparently. But it's the Prussians. The Prussians. The Prussians have, have the iceberg, not Antarctica. Yeah. What's really funny is the excuse me, <laughs> Steve. Steve, so you because you got Covenant, right? Yeah, yeah. So the new starter box is all about fighting in the Arctic, and it's the Prussians and the Russians. But I guess it's the Arctic. It's not the Antarctic. You're on the other side of the planet. I guess, but it's like, it's a weird imagery. And like, yeah, that's really dumb. See the and their mo- and their models haven't changed. The models are the same. That's a really dumb. They model. have they, they needed to up their models. They really do because with what's oh. all, what Hawk is putting on now. Yeah. The, Hopefully they're the print- level of detail that they have on their models. Yeah, and, and they're still using three D print- printers. If they're printing at a higher resolution no, and then casting it, it'll be fine. And like, Hawk- I, don't get me wrong, I love my models, and I think some of them have some of the nicest aesthetics I've yeah. seen. Right, but and it's time to update. And Hawk- I would no, say I mean, the, the blimps. The blimps are sweet. They're they're just yeah. They got some really good models. And I would say Hawk and Spartan are <coughs> are the two companies that are in direct competition with each other based on their scale of, of systems and that sort of thing. Right, right. With both Drop Fleet and Drop Zone. Interesting note yeah, I that's heard. True. Uh, Dave Hawk, the guy that owns Hawk, used to work at Spartan, Spartan. but they wouldn't take his ideas for a ten millimeter game, so he left and went on his own. Whoops. I really wish we had a sad trombone sound right about now. (laughs) Almost like the prices, right? One that. You know that one? Well, I know exactly. Yeah, Yeah, that one. When you went over. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Like, come on. That's actually really sad. It's pretty significant, though, (laughs) like the numbers. No, no, I'm pretty sure that is. That's honest truth. I've heard that as well. He's pretty good as well. If if he's at LVO this year, well, you know the funny thing is like he's crushed him. Oh, the num the numbers are crazy different. Well, and like, you look at it, and locally, if we're playing this comparison game, which well, he also delivered well. on that on that uh, Kickstarter. Yeah, but if you look at even just locally, deal. the well, people that are excited people and really interested yeah, in different. not just Drop Fleet but also Drop Zone right now, there's tons of activity. I have not seen a post. In the Dystopian Wars page, that had nothing to do with. P.S. I'm selling my Dystopian Wars in a year. Recently, two yeah. years. For a while. Uh-oh. Since uh, Adam left Calgary. Yeah, really. I think we had a couple posts. Well, that also, that also tends to be the way it is. When people are excited about a game, they've got their friends, and usually it's one or two community drivers that are really big on a game mm-hmm. that keep it going. A lot of these communities don't have more than 20 people that are really playing aggressively, um, especially for the smaller games. And I feel like even uh, the Drop Zone one isn't probably much more than, like, maybe 20 active posters. Yeah, about that. Yeah. But which, the, funny fact, but yeah. it's coming 
Adam is now huge hawk. Oh no! <laughs> Boat and admittedly living in Ontario, so yeah, completely but, meaningless to us. But poached. Maybe we can get him and Jay to carpool or something. Like carpool. That. <laughs> yeah, that'd be carpool. Sweet. Uh, no, I. I <laughs> I like. I've always been more partial to sci-fi and the whole like steampunk, steampunk dystopian uh, sort of past. Made a, was kind of sci-fi, so I could get behind the dystopian wars. Uh, but it, its universe has never totally captured me. Um, the hard sci-fi of like Drop Zone is totally right up my alley, and I think a lot of people are like that. They're either steampunk. I feel is like more niche than. Um, then it has its sci-fi. own good following too, though. Yeah. So just to keep us yeah. back on track, because I think we're actually going pretty long today. We still have another period. Oh yeah, that's right. We do. Um, what can I say? Enjoy this, the podcast. This, yeah, it's fun. But this Kickstarter feels really, really forced, and, and it's not in touch with its player base. Yeah, it's really not. It sounds like their investors aren't willing to throw more money at them, which is a bad sign. Yeah. So I would, you know what? Because fuck Spartan, I'd caution you about this Kickstarter. Because I I would as well. Yeah, I well, I'm not backing it. You guys know us. We buy everything, and none of us none want of anything us, to do with yeah, this one. Yeah, we're all staying away from this one. And yeah, fu- this is this is the only time I can say this. Uh, not the only, but very rarely can we say five out of five of us have models for this game that are painted. Yeah, I have an entire fleet. I pl- I've played quite a bit. Five out of five painted could got, potentially be my, affected uh, by this release, <laughs> and none of Ottoman. us give a shit. And none of us want to touch it with a ten. I actually pole. have my dystopian in the top shelf of one of my cabinets in the Middle East. You should, you should move them down. Unpainted Imperial Guard. I've been actually thinking about putting it in a box. <laughs> Just not even like not even with the unpainted Imperial Guard. You should move up your Gothic. To the top to inspire you to paint up some drop fleet and then drop that oh, dystopian. But if, I, if I move my gothic up, it'll inspire me only to paint more gothic. You can do that too. I like the, the Eldar ships. I know they're really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I really like them. Though. Fair enough. Anyways, that's a different topic. Yeah, I if we're gonna give it a rating, I don't think we even should because I don't think I would go above a zero. Would anyone give it anything other than a zero? No. No. Okay. Uh, All right, moving on. Fuck you, Spartan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know if it's quite a fuck you. Like, the game system has some benefits. But, eh, let's see if they're still around in the world. Just listen to the customers a little bit more and... Stop wasting good IP. Make your game playable. You don't have to fuck the rules too much. Just give people people more ability to actually use their give fucking scenarios. That's all I, that's all I people, ever wanted. Give people a way to play the game system that already exists instead of tweaking the system and coming up with new rule books every two ITS, years. Yeah. ITS. Infinity Tournament System. Something like that. Yeah. Done. Some and kind of like... book with scenarios. Yeah. Some kind of proper so tournament ITS. Steamroller. Not, not a new Dating grounds. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. X-Wing tournament packs. Anyway, we can you can talk about this for days. Let's move on. Okay, so I'm actually looking at a stack of bottle caps in front of me right now. What? Because um, we like to drink beer, and no, you can't take those with you though. Those are my currency for the, the apocalypse. No, no, no. I, it's, I'm not going to. But um, okay, good. Because Dan and I have been getting into. We've talked about this is not a test on the podcast more than a few times so far. Um, but because it's a smaller company, there aren't really any pre-made tokens that you can get at this point to play the game. At least okay. any kind of. You can print off the paper ones, but. Yeah, that's not as fun. It's kind of lame. So, Dan, and you found a solution. Yeah, so in kind of inspired by the 
the system that I think it was Ash from Gorilla Miniatures that um, I think he was the one who created the initial version of the PDF allegedly for those like you can just print these on your home printer uh, for a couple of the major tokens that you need to play the game but inspired by that because it didn't look especially difficult like I've got the software and I've done this sort of a thing before design wise so I decided to um, do some digging and find out how to make my own bottle cap style uh, tokens for the game Nice. So I've got a set of those done up at home to finish them up over this weekend. And yeah, there's actually, like, it's really not that bad. There's, um, the easiest way to do it realistically is uh, there's on eBay or Amazon or these other craft places. Like, you could go to a, somewhere like Michael's and just pay way too much money for them. But there are regular style bottle caps that you can buy, or there's actually ones that are bottle cap style, but they're for, like, scrapbooking and jewelry. Okay, just a second. So these are bottle caps that would be, like, bottle cap blanks. Like, if you were making yes. your own beer, bottling it, whatever, you would yep. use these and crimp them down on the neck of a bottle. Yeah, so it's, um, and they're, the jewelry style ones are, instead of being, like, the traditional bottle cap style, where, like, if you literally just pop one off of a beer, there's that recessed circle area that is, uh, for a lot of these designs, it's pretty much exactly an inch. So you can get, like, grab a hole punch, like, come up with some token designs on the computer, yep. print them off, hole punch them out with the little, like, circular hole cutter thing. Yeah. Uh, pop them in there with a little bit of glue, or there's actually these clear acrylic stickers that you can also buy on places like Amazon or eBay or whatever. And um, so it basically just adheres to the token, protects it so it doesn't get scuffed or whatever. And, yeah, so you can take these, and, like, it's there's some prepackaged combinations on Amazon as well that this is what they're designed for. For scrapbooking or jewelry making, and yeah, you can make your own tokens. So like a one-click bundle for tokens. Yeah, you have still have to do the design work yourself, but okay. they're like one that I ended up getting off of the Amazon Canada site. It was from some random seller in China, where there was a hundred of these jewelry bottle caps and 120 of the stickers, because the stickers came 24 to a sheet. So it was like, do we give them 96 or do we give them 120? But so that was I'm trying to remember how much it was. I think it was like 12 bucks. Per pack oh, of that. Okay. So I bought five packs worth, and a nice. whole puncher. Just in case. Just in case there. So were I'll fun. be hitting him up for some tokens. PS. Oh yeah, because well, yeah, it's for a example, shop in Dan's basement now. The well, the, the full <laughs> set of tokens that I made, as an example, was 70, <coughs> 78 tokens. So you have enough for me. So I've got enough for a few people, <laughs> not like even a ton. But, but you and your opponent. So when you're playing yeah. a game, you got enough tokens. Yes, like um, so. For an example, there's the activated tokens that you can put next to your models. Like once they've already activated that turn, mm-hmm. uh, I made a sum that are for models that are on hold, um, so they can use interrupt actions later. Do they in have the good music. Just random do, elevator music, dude. Funny, do, I was do, do, I was on the uh, <laughs> on hold with Mastercard the other day, trying to get my cards canceled due to hilarious fraud, and they were playing the like hypersexual Madonna from the '90s on hold music, and I was like, "This is the weirdest choice. <laughs> this is so aggressively sexual." <laughs> That's awesome. We're like calling Mastercard at like 1:30 in the afternoon on a Thursday. <laughs> Maybe that's a nice. good time for them. I don't know. Maybe well, you keep people interested, I guess. <laughs> but um, so yeah, you, where was where was I? So you can get these these packs, and so I've got the activated tokens and hold tokens. I did some of the ones for like uh, markers when models are hit because you resolve the to wound rolls at the end of the sequence, sort of a thing. So you have to keep activating, not knowing if the guys that you've shot at are alive or dead. Mm-hmm. Um, there's ones for like being prone or for like if you move twice, there's a to hit modifier. So I kind of figured out all the all the major status effects that are going to be frequently coming up in the game, and yeah, just made up a token design for it. 
and I did them in Pixelmator, which is like uh, it's basically yep. like twenty dollar um, or twenty five dollar, depending on whether it's on sale, whatever. Um, Apple version of Photoshop, mm-hmm. and um, so you can do basic vector work. You can do uh, the standard pixel work. It, it's, it's quite nice. I like it. There's a few things it doesn't do, but for something like this, it's absolutely uh, going to be able to do whatever you need it to do, and without breaking the bank. You don't have to spend like $180 a month on a subscription to Adobe. <laughs> yeah, I know that. The Pix- uh, uh, Pixelnate is way better than Photoshop, frankly. That's, uh, well, well, it's, it's a better, better deal. It's a better it's deal. Better. For the average person, you do not need to ever buy Photoshop. That's just a waste of money. And it's so expensive that yeah. you can't afford to do it as a hobby anymore because yeah. you have to buy it as a subscription. Yeah, and it is crazy. You yeah. can't just like buy the one version of it and then use it for five years like you used to. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, sorry, that's a complete software tangent. Yeah, so the base, the basic mechanic for it is, like, you, you grab your software. You could do it in GIMP. You could do it in... You could Hell, you could do it in Word if you wanted to. We were just making shapes of the correct size, um, just putting that little, like, text box in the center and just typing in the different, um, you know, the different status effect on it. Just make sure you're using a font that's, like, big enough and high contrast enough for the background. Mm-hmm. And you can keep changing out those backgrounds, too, so you can tell your tokens apart. So, like irradiated and poison tokens that I did it for example kind of have like a greenish brown it was actually I think like a detail like close up shot of like wormwood so oh, it's yeah, kind okay. of all gnarly and shitty and green and brown and gross yep. so the irradiated and poison tokens have that for a background for example nice. whereas Makes the sense. like the hit and wounded and out of action it's like a bloody black and white tile floor with like just like spatters of gore and shit all over. Oh it. yeah, okay, I know what you're stuff like about. that. So you can you can it's very tell similar to the uh, the that sounds a lot like the actually infinity tokens when you have a wound because they've got that tile marker and splatter. Yeah. Anyway, they anyway, got the <laughs> apparently inadvertently, yeah. but yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, they all have just like, these different style textures that I just grabbed off of Google image searches, searching for like weathered concrete or like rusty armor or something like that. Just find these these photos and. Put them on the background. Make sure that they're dark enough and going to contrast enough with your text. Yep. One of the basic tricks for text, if you want guaranteed legibility, is if you do white text with a black outline, you're going to have legibility over virtually any background. Yeah, it's 100% contrast in any situation. So that would be my advice. So like for mine, for um, I use like a weathered kind of you know dirty looking font. At that size, you don't really see it too much, but it's kind of the yeah, worn down um, font. And I, so it's white text with, uh, what do you call it? I think it's in, I was using the vector mode, so it was using the stroke style to do, like, the edge of the solid lines. You're just done with way black. past me. This is, this is design territory. But, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, there are, you can do it as, um, you could put a drop shadow. You could put an outer glow using black um, and no blurring to get, like, a solid ring around the text. This will hopefully make sense to people that have a little bit of experience using the programs already. Yep. But you can definitely do that in a number of ways to get the black outline around white text, which will get you your very high visibility. I'm sure if you're doing it in Word, you could probably use Word Art and just you know oh, yeah. scale it down to make sure that it prints the correct scale. And yeah, you just print out your tokens. Um, I would also recommend using good quality paper because cheap paper, I find with the paper cutters, the the cutters they it tears it, it tears rather than cutting cleanly. Yeah, you need a little bit heavier stock, yeah. for, especially for tokens, too, because uh, you want the ink to not... Uh, not soak and yeah. bleed too much, yeah, keep it nice and crisp. Cheap paper, if you, even if you print it at high quality, it'll bleed quite a bit. Uh, and potentially warp, jet. depending on how much ink's going on it. Yeah, like if you're printing, plant, uh, printing a uh, black token, it's going to give you some weird trouble, especially when you start to glue it, too, because then the ink will bleed. 
Um, so high quality paper. I mean, that's it comes down to if you want nice tokens, use high quality materials. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a good mantra for anything. And paper is not crazy expensive. No. Getting a ream of probably at least twenty eight pound paper. Um, I would stick to the white paper as well. Like I was initially thinking, oh, you could get that. Um, that parchment looking like kind of faded Yellowish. brownish Ooh, but I was yeah. like you know what you, if you want white text you're going to lose a lot of that visibility by default because you can't print white ink on top of your fancy paper to get that contrast back so I did decide just to stick to that I used just the cheap paper for the first run of tokens just because I was trying a bunch of stuff out not taking oh, yeah. it too seriously and you have enough sure. supplies to make oh yeah I can make more sure. <laughs> I can make many more sets but so if you do these if you do it this way where you're using like you're printing out a couple of pages worth of paper and tokens, um, so a little bit of ink, a little bit for the paper. Again, off of Amazon, you're probably looking at depending on what you get for materials between ten and twenty dollars uh, for a set of the bottle caps and the stickers. And the assembly style on it, like I'm sorry to, I guess before I get into that, the there's two sizes of hole punch that can work really well. Um, there's a one inch hole punch which will match. The, like the interior diameter of the cap where you can like put the token as well as the stickers. I actually went with a 0.75 inch hole cutter, um, which gives you see the you cu- you cut out your card. Yep. And you can adhere it to that self adhesive plastic clear plastic um, sticker, and you get that little ring around it for the adhesive to like stick it to the center of the bottle cap without having to use like a separate glue on the back oh. of the card or the paper. I was gonna say the so it does save you a step. These stickers that I have they're not very strong adhesive, so you couldn't like double side the token because it would just fall off the back but that recessed interior where you're not going to be able to like rub it off or easily have it um, fall off by accident I think it'll do a great job of it and it just removes a few extra steps and materials uh, to simplify the process I was going to say the the one inch hole punch though the other thing you can do with those I know people have used it I think for this is before is the uh, 25 mil bases one inch almost fits perfect in there. Oh yeah, so that'll work nicely if you're not using a bottle cap. So if you have like the non-slotted 40k bases, <laughs> like yeah. war machine bases, you could put them on the top or something. Yeah. Or like that. what I would actually argue the most would be Weird makes the clear bases in various oh, yeah. colors. How much do those cost? As a side note, uh, I think they're <laughs> about twelve for around five bucks. The Whereas gears per, are turning for five. For five dollars on eBay, you can get packs of a hundred or more bottle caps. Yeah, okay, but bottle so caps be don't like, work for every bo- game. Right? Yeah, bottle caps for, are very. And you also don't for need that, that is, for every that is a very. This is not a test uh, appropriate. Like if you option. only need twenty tokens, spending yeah. ten bucks and on the these. color, the color bases for the Malifaux stuff would actually work really nice for a lot of like even your forty k tokens that you don't really have a lot of, but there are like spell effects and that kind of thing. Yeah, but yeah. if cool. you were doing custom, uh, especially you're playing Zinch. There's a lot of huh. each spells and a lot of witch fires that have effects that linger on, like warp flame, that kind of stuff. You could uh, you could do some really cool stuff with those blue uh, tokens. Actually, you've kind of got the gears turning. There was an article a while ago. <laughs> this is a little bit of a tangent, but um, Goat Boy did up uh, specific uh, character cards. It isn't quite a token, but it just was one of those things that adds a bit of flavor to the army. It's so sort something, of something like an X-wing done. style card there, or yeah. So when you roll your psychic card. powers for like uh, Fate Weaver or whatever, you you write it down with uh, with uh, dry erase marker, and you can keep track of what's going on. It adds a little bit of flavor. He had his own art because he's a graphic designer for that, so he built it all himself. It looked really, really, really cool. Nice. You know, it's kind of like your bottle caps, right? Where it's just a little bit of flavor. makes the game a little more, I don't know, not professional is not really the term, but it's just a little nicer. It's immersive. Immersive. That's a great term. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then the nice thing here, too, is that uh, you can go with really anything you want, right? When you're doing this is not a test, you can use bottle caps. You're doing um, random game. You can use those weird bases. If you want to go to, like, a, a scrapbooking or art store, you could probably find stuff that looks kind of like gears to kind of throw in for doing some of these custom Oh, you tokens. can actually, for scrapbooking, get uh, little tiny gears because of the whole uh, uh, fad with uh, steampunks. Yeah, but you so, can yeah. find, like, go to Michael's, go to an art store, you can find all kinds of different stuff. Or even, like, you can get those little wooden tokens from Michael's that are... I think... Just um, little circled cuts of wood. Yeah, yeah. and they're super cheap. Uh, yeah. Or you could make your own. Like, there, you've got tons of options, and... Uh, yeah, I think what you've done, Dan, is, is it's it's a skill that um, you can actually reuse on any game. Like, if this is something that you're... Graphic design is just generally a skill in, in yeah, that you can use anywhere. But when, in terms of miniature gaming, it's something that you can use to personalize your, your force and army in your game more. Yeah, uh, yes. it doesn't matter if it's tokens or whatever. It's a great thing to have. Yeah, it's something that very similar to like we've always done for years, getting your custom dice done through Chessex. Like you can get, not necessarily you can't get like a GW logo. Their copyright police are all over that, but you, you could get like um, some random symbol from War Machine. Well, like or Mike was saying at the very beginning, the Iron Cross Black Templar dice. Yeah, yeah, simple geometric design. That's not really a Games Workshop specific design. It's been in use the, for thousands of years. The Ultramarine logo. Yeah, it's just an Omega. It's an Omega. That's an Omega, not just. Or you can even have it as an Ultra, and they can't say anything about it because Ultra. I'm pretty sure you can't call. Yeah, Ultra is a term. But regardless, yeah, there's very much like the custom dice or whatever. The custom tokens. It's really not that hard to make for yourselves, and yeah, you can do it relatively cheap. There's if it's software that you already own, bonus. But if you were to download Pixelmator which I do recommend, and you get, when they do major releases, like to 3.0 or whatever, you will be covered for that too. So you, like, you get the program forever. Hmm. That's pretty cool. a really good deal. They, like, for example, a while back, they did add the vector mode, which was never in the original design really? sport. It was never a listed feature. They were like, oh, hey, a lot of people use basic vector work. You can now do basic vector work. It doesn't have full like Illustrator compatibility, but you can do most of that work yourself all in the same program that you already owned and not spend hundreds of extra dollars. I was going to say, because um, I'm not huge on this, uh, do you know if you're a PC user, what software you would use? Um, or is that a little tougher? Would you just do the, the GIMP? Honestly, I'd probably do GIMP off yeah. the top of my head just because I know it's free and cross-platform. Yeah. And there are a lot of people that use it for a lot more professional type things than what I use Pixelmator for, and it works for them. I'm just not familiar with GIMP. Gotcha. Whereas I've been using Pixelmator for a long time, and it's just it's worked for me. I got it when it was one of their like annual like whatever half off type sales. So I think I spent like fourteen dollars on it. Yeah, and I was just wondering fantastic. mostly for uh, for all the people that aren't don't have a fancy Mac like you. Well, just buy one. <laughs> It'll slightly increase your cost to be able to make tokens to buy a Mac first. But yeah, that's that's step, <laughs> step one is buy a Mac. The barrier entry is a little high. <laughs> but yeah, so there are there are options out there. If it's GIMP, it's free. If it's something along the lines of Pixelmator, it's like twenty or thirty bucks. Probably another you know ten to twenty dollars for the materials. Like sorry, the whole punch was like another ten bucks. So it might be thirty dollars of materials. Yeah, that's pretty reasonable. But that's entirely reasonable for me. Again, like. I, I spent a little bit more because I bought like 500 tokens worth of caps and everything, but it was like under $100. Yeah. And I can, you know, make a bunch of those or like yeah. give a bunch of them to other people in the gaming group and just be like, okay, you can like buy these off me and not have to order them and wait a couple weeks for them to come in from Amazon. 
Yeah. And just print off these tokens yourself, use the whole punch, and just self-assemble your own tokens. Okay, now I do... I want a public service announcement from me to all of you PC users. If you're going to search for GIMP, keep your safe search on. (laughs) Or don't, and I'm feeling lucky. (laughs) Let's just say... uh, much like in Malifaux, bad things happen. Really? Okay. Good to know. Yeah, maybe it might be safer to search for, like, you know, GIMP image, image processor. New yeah. image editor. Yeah. What, so you don't get that? Instead of just GIMP. Yeah, that's a little creepy. <laughs> mm, yeah, I'm not surprised by that. It's rule 34. You just got rule 34. <laughs> yeah, GIMP image editor is one of the first autocomplete results that'll come up, so stick to that. Yeah. So just <laughs> Or don't. Just be saying on how weird your night is. Oh, yeah, but just be warned. If you're wanting to get weird... That could be the gutsy or goatsy moment. Gutsy or goatsy. <laughs> Straight up, like, I'm feeling lucky for GIMP on Google. Danger, Fair enough. Danger. Oh. I feel like this episode's but comments yeah. are going to have some weird... If you, if you want to skip Google altogether, just GIMP.org. <laughs> I swear it's the image editor <laughs> I'm not the up. other one. Goatsy, goatsy, goatsy. <laughs> I feel like Dan wouldn't, wouldn't lead you astray, would you? <laughs> Uh, okay, let me just double-check GIMP.com. Oh, God. It's GIMP.org. No, no, he's going to GIMP.com. Okay. (laughs) Where we're going, we don't need roads. Unclaimed by UnGoDaddy, so... GIMP.com is unclaimed? Someone buy that right now. I'm for sure somebody just didn't renew it. Yeah, that's weird. Guarantee at some point that was a website that you might not want to go to. Yeah. Or maybe you do. I don't know, it depends depends on your day (laughs) again. Well, let's maybe try GIMP.de. Okay. <laughs> Don't you're going to the German sites? No, man, that's a terrible idea. Oh my god! Should we wrap this up? I think I think we're now switching up. Tom, Tom may be dying. Uh, yeah. The point is, learn how to do graphic design, and the bottle caps are a great idea. That's super cheap for tokens. Yeah, yeah. and uh, there's a good chance at some point I will put up a refined version of my tokens in like PDF. Nice. So that if other people want to print them. I might, yeah, if I can figure that all out and make it well so that it prints the proper DPI and everything like right off the bat, it'll be good. That'd be pretty cool. Sounds great. You should make up some drop zone tokens, except I think we already have drop zone tokens. We could use more. Use we could use cool ones. I guess you don't need really drop zone tokens. Building damage counters is about zone. where you want to go. I was going to say we could host them on our drop zone campaign site. Oh. Ooh. Through Dropbox? Well, we could do it hosted just on a regular website. We don't need to. It was, it, it was a drop. Never mind. Oh, I see what you're saying. I didn't catch that at all. That was really bad. Drop down. <laughs> drop down. Yeah. Okay, Ward, what's coming up? Uh, a couple events. Uh, pretty much the rest of December is a write off, so uh, with the holidays. So we're going to start in January. January 7th, we have the Edmonton Brawler at the Strathen uh, Church. Uh, 40K with other systems is their go to. Uh, you could probably see more fantasy systems, though, popping up with some Age of Sigmar and some Ninth yeah, Age. I think it's I'm the sure. Same bet. Uh, January 21st and 22nd is the Out of the Basement Tournament. Uh, it's going to be a multi system event. It's going to be at the Legion, um, Northside Legion. I retired, man. Uh, I'm just a, I'm just a grunt now. I know it's at a Legion. Um, multiple system, uh, two day Blood Bowl tournament called the Golden Sausage. So you might want to check that out. Hopefully the cup provided by Todd. 
provided by Todd. Hopefully, the cup actually has sausages contained inside, and uh, you can dump the sausages on the winner. Maybe I don't know. Mm. You know what? That's a waste. I'm gonna tell Todd. He'll make it happen. Okay, all right. Uh, then February third to fifth is the LVO at Bali. They have all the games. Go there and the make fun of Steve. Don't make fun of me. Um, February. Just hope you get paired with him for Saturday morning. Uh, yes. Yeah, Saturday morning's a bad time. <laughs> it's an easy game. <laughs> if you want to win, play against Steve Saturday morning. Um, and then yeah, Feb- Calvin Harris is playing Friday night. Oh shit! Yeah, it's gonna be good. <laughs> and then February seventeenth to eighteenth is the colder than carbonite at the Wellington Park Hall three hundred point ITS event. Yep. Uh, twenty dollars, thirty players maximum, and they can do beer affinity on the Friday. So it's just a precursor warm up, and all uh, experience is welcome. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking I'm gonna play on that one. I think I'm gonna finish up my bases on my nomads is gonna be my goal. Do it. Well, finish it up. I don't know if I'll finish up all the models, but the bases. Don't talk it. about it. Just do it. They're, I have a painted army right now. Don't here. talk about it. They're painted. I just need to finish the bases, and I would like to do a little more detail work on the army. <laughs> and that's all I got for events. Okay, so until next time, this has been another episode of Hobbit in Canada. I'm Tom. I'm Dan. I'm Ward. Mike. And I'm Steve. Until next time, paint your models, have some fun, play some games, and maybe try making some tokens. Mm-hmm.